0: Hello, and God bless you today from Carlsbad, New Mexico. You are listening to a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. We hope you enjoy the message today, and we'd love to hear from you. If anything in this message has touched you, you have a prayer request, or just want to reach out, you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash new song Carlsbad NM. You can also mail us at post office box 761 Carlsbad, New Mexico, zip code 88221. Please enjoy this message and have a very blessed day.
1: We, uh, I'd like you to turn quickly to the book of John, chapter 18, verse 37. John, chapter 18, verse 37. You no, Jesus came at an interesting time in history. There were, like there are today, there were many religions, many gods. There was a, the procurator or the head of the Roman government in Israel who had uh, taken over Israel. Was Pontius Pilate? Uh, he had a wife who had a heart. She, uh, she had feelings for the Jewish people, I believe. She certainly had feelings for Jesus as she saw him being tortured. And I think, I think Pilate had uh, some deep-down feelings. But they were, uh, let's use the word, victims of multiple gods. We call that paganism. Now keep that in mind when we read this scripture. Pilate is here talking to Jesus, just the two of them. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should, now watch this, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. And then Pilate, in verse 38, said, Pilate said unto him, what is truth? I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but even though that's a silly statement, it was deeply philosophical at the time. What is truth? We we hear that once in a while today. Uh, As you try to minister to some of your relatives or next-door neighbor or whoever, and you try to explain to them that God, there is only one God, And he is the truth. They're confused, and the enemy has put a lie in their heart. Well, there must be more gods, and if there are, which one is the correct one? Pilate was struggling. What is the truth? He's being told by uh, the ancient philosophers, pagans in in Rome, uh, one thing. He hears the the Jewish people talk about one God, although they, they didn't believe in Jesus. Most people today believe that there are many different proofs or truths about one subject. God says there is only one truth, and you hold it in your lap, most of you, your Bible. You say, well, how do we know that's the truth? Wasn't that written by men? Yes, the Bible itself declares that those men, their hands were guided by God himself. He spoke to them. They were spiritual enough that they could hear his voice and they wrote it down. It's the truth. There's only one truth. Pilate had many gods which which one of his gods were true. He struggled with that. Our God is the one true God. How do I know that? How do I know that? How do you know that? Have you ever seen him? Have you met him? Most of you in here have never seen him. And that's what Jesus said to Thomas, the doubting Thomas, who was griping, complaining, well, they've just come in the room declaring that they went to the tomb of Jesus and it was empty. Well, I'm not going to believe it till I see the nail prints in his hands, his side, his feet. And at that moment, Jesus walked through a wall. Thomas fell on his knees, my Lord and my God. Jesus uttered these famous words Thomas, you're blessed because you've seen me, but how much more blessed are those who've never seen me but, be, but believe that? He was talking about you. It's a, it's a heavy thing to put all of your confidence in this one God. You want to be right. What, if you got the, what, what would happen if you got the wrong God and there was another God and he was the right God? Let me tell you why I think we have the right God. Our God is the only one who willingly gave his physical life for the people he loved, which was you. Jesus was the Son of God, but he's also divine. He is God. Can you imagine allowing the creation, the people you created, he made them, and then he allowed them to beat him half to death, put crown of thorns on his head, drive it into his skull, uh, nail prints, not in his wrists, in his hands, and his feet. The flesh was ripped off of his back. He allowed what he had created to kill him. Although they didn't actually kill him, did they? He gave his life. There was a storm rumbling. And they had Roman out there at the site, Golgotha, place of the skull. we got to hasten this. We've got to get this done. This storm's coming. He said, uh, break their legs. Now, why did he tell them that? Because th- the way you die in crucifixion is you are asphyxiated. You lose your breath. And so they put a block under their feet because they would get tired and they begin to sag. Now, when, you, when you're sagging like that, you can't breathe. So they'd have to push up on the, on that block and get a breath. And so he says, break their legs. Break their legs? They can't push up anymore they die quickly so there was a thief on either side of Jesus they took a big maybe it was a wooden mallet and a soldier came and bam bam broke the legs of the first one he sagged down went to the other thief broke his legs and then they went to Jesus but when they got there he was already dead They didn't kill him. He gave his life for you. Don't ever forget that. He gave his life for you. That's the truth. That's one of the reasons that I know that the God that I serve, and I've given almost 50 years of my life to serve, I know he is the correct God because he had enough mercy and grace, compassion, and love for me and for you that he would give his life and I didn't deserve it. I don't know about you, but I didn't deserve it. I deserved what he got being whipped. I deserved what he got on the cross. I deserved that. You deserved that. How can we pay him back? Look at me. You can pay him back by loving him, you can pay him back by loving your mate. Loving your children. You can pay him back by being compassionate. You can pay him back by being forgiving. You can pay him back by obeying him. And then obeying the one truth that you find in that Bible. Listen, there's nobody in here that knows all of that one truth. But every time you pick up that book and you read in it, he is putting literally more of the one truth into your spirit. And the more of that you get, the more you grow. The more mature you become. The more faithful you become. The more he can trust you. And then you develop this desire for hurting people. The more of that word you get inside of you, the more powerful you become. One day you wake up and realize, listen to me, One day you wake up and realize that you have the same power that Jesus had. He said, the things I've done, you will do in greater. You have that power residing in you. And a lot of people have a real problem with what I'm about to tell you, but you need to hear it. God doesn't live in this building. This is not a cathedral, chapel. Listen, God's house is you. Everybody take your finger and go like this. That's where God lives. That day that you went to the cushion and you knelt down or by your bed or wherever it was and you finally repented, God had been waiting for you for a long time. You repented and you said, Lord, please forgive me. And then you asked Jesus to come into your heart. He did. He did. We serve one God, but he manifests himself in three separate and distinct persons. One of them is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He's a he. And when you ask Jesus to come in, that Holy Spirit possessed you. Now, this is the good kind of possession. The bad kind is what the devil does, sending a demon to you to get inside of you so that demon can manifest himself in a physical realm. That's why they want to get inside of you. But you have power over them. And let me tell you something. When you feel the presence of a demon, all you've got to say, just start talking about the blood of Jesus. Out loud with your mouth. Demon, you don't know what you're messing with. The blood of Jesus Christ covers me. He has flooded me with his love and power. I have all power over you. Get out in Jesus' name. He will go. Even Satan is terrified of the blood of Jesus. Satan, now there's a real character. Had it made, he was the most powerful creature that God ever made. That wasn't good enough for him. He wanted to be God. And he can read the same book you're reading. He knows where he's going. He knows he can't win. And he knows he's going to lose. That's the truth. That's the truth that we're talking about. There's only one truth. We only have one truth. And then, listen to this. We have people out there and groups who didn't like the Bible in its current form, so they changed it. For example, a lot of people have a real problem with this concept of the Trinity. One God, three persons. They can't. They just can't write wrap their mind around that. Even the Jewish people today, they think you worship three gods. And you see, to for you to understand the Trinity, you have to get a revelation. That's what I did. I was in a, a man's office one day, and we were talking about the Trinity, and, and uh, there was a Mormon lady that worked there, and she she just started, we didn't ask her to be in the conversation, but she was, and she, she kind of chuckled, and she said, oh, Anybody that knows anything about God knows that the teaching of the Trinity is false. It's a false. I didn't know what to tell her. I didn't have any scriptures, and I I went out of there that day. And I said, Lord, please, from now on, please open my heart and my mind to see any scripture that that uh, proves the Trinity. And I'm telling you, He flooded me. First one that He gave me was John chapter one verse one. In the beginning was the Word, capital W personal pronoun. And the word was with God, with God and the word was God. There's two persons of the Trinity right there. He's talking about who? Who was he talking about? Jesus. And the word was with God and the word was God. We live in a physical universe and when God made it He had to do it physically, and he needed a mouth. The Bible says the Father is a spirit. Now, spirits don't have mouths or bodies, but Jesus does. And so when God, listen, Jesus didn't begin his his existence uh, with the birth uh, when Mary had the baby. Uh, Jesus lived long before that. In fact, Jesus made his own mother. (laughs) Come on. Jesus, so powerful. He spoke it all into existence with his mouth. There's power in the tongue. The problem is what you've got to have coming out of your tongue, out of your mouth, needs to be the one truth. And how are you going to know what the truth is if you're not in the Word? I know a lot of you are not reading the Word at home. You should be. Can you devote five or ten minutes a day, just five or ten minutes to the Word. You know what? If you'll do that in, in less than a month, your whole life will change. You'll find yourself beginning to become emotional, weeping for no apparent reason just because you're in love with your God. And you begin to realize how much He loves you. And, and you, you begin to realize that as a son or a daughter of this God, He, he, he thinks you're something special. Why does God love you? Because He wants to. He has chosen to. He doesn't love you because you deserve it. He doesn't love you because you're handsome or beautiful. He loves you because He's chosen to love you. And nobody can talk Him out of it. He's going to love you all of your life. There today is a battle. For the truth in the church. Look at, uh, everybody go to Isaiah chapter 59, verse 14, quickly. Isaiah 59, verse 14. Now watch this carefully. Isaiah 59, 14. Justice is turned back and righteousness stands far off. Now watch. For truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. What we've got to realize here is that truth is one of the most powerful weapons that we possess in our spiritual armor, arsenal. God has given to us this arsenal to deal with the enemy. Unfortunately, truth has fallen in the streets. What does that mean? Truth, as I read this scripture, I'm thinking about every night on Fox News or whatever news you watch, every night since COVID began, they're showing uh, pictures of people killing in the street, burning uh, businesses, throwing bricks through the the window of a business, crawling through that window, going in there. The other day, they had a a video of a a man on a bicycle. Now get this, and he had a big plastic trash bag and he rode his bicycle into, I think it was Walgreens. And uh, they filmed the whole thing, he didn't care. And he would go over to a shelf, and he'd open up that bag, and he took his arm just sh- and shoveled all that stuff, and he got he kept going till he got a full bag. Now, just 15 feet away were the were the security guards for Walgreens. They had him there, and they were talking with each other. And so finally, this guy got back on his bike, had his sack, and he just rode right down and went around them. the, the one uh, security guard reached out and tried to. Grab the how I many of you saw that tried to grab that bag and the guy just jerked away and went went right on out in the street and nobody arrested him even if they had arrested him we're setting them free faster than we're arresting them what's wrong what's wrong is there's a large segment in there not necessarily black white or whatever it has nothing to do with that there's a segment of the world today that doesn't care in the truth. What motivated? What motivates these people to commit these crimes? Because they feel like they have been done wrong in the world. People have stolen from them or uh, whatever. And so they feel it's okay to go out and steal other people's businesses and other people's property. It's a lie. It's a lie that the enemy has put out there and people bought into it. Are you all listening to me? This is America, folks, the land of the free, the home of the brave. we I saw the lady that uh, she didn't even win, but she scored third place in the Olympic trials for the hammer throw. I don't know if you know what that is. It's a big old ball on a chain, and it's got a couple of handles, and you get it swinging and you twirl you twirl and twirl, twirl and you got to stay within this certain circle and then you get going real fast and then you whoop, you let that thing go and it flies in the air. Now, if it were to land on somebody, it'd kill them instantly. It's huge, it's, it's heavy. So she won third place. When they got up on the, uh, on the podium to receive their medals, they played the national anthem because all three of them were Americans. She turned her back on the flag and then she put a, a T-shirt over her head. Now, she claimed that she loved America, but she was doing that because she felt like her people had been dishonored, disrespected. And there, there it is right there on, the, on your screen. I don't know what's happening, but I do know this. There's a word, listen to me, there's a word called Method. There's three things about a man or a woman you always have to take in account. First of all, what kind of person are they? What kind of person are they? Secondly, what is their message? And third is the most important. What method are they using to get their message across? Now, Portland, Oregon, West Coast, Uh Years ago, John Wesley was uh, five months old. We were in a motorhome. We were headed for uh, Canada. I was, I was going to be there for two months, and I'd never been to Portland before. And looking forward to it, I thought maybe it's a peaceful, loving place. Now I don't know what the deal was, but as soon as I got into the, the city limits of Portland, Oregon, I felt an evil presence. Now I'm not, I'm not mad at Portland or the people, I, I'm not real sure what caused it. All I know is, I looked at Liz and I said, I'm not even stopping here for gasoline, we're gonna keep right going. She said, I agree. She felt it too. We got on the interstate, we went by a, a beautiful place called Multnomah Falls. Has anybody ever been there? Beautiful. The waterfall comes uh, down off the side of the mountain and then they built a bridge and the water comes under that, oh, it's just gorgeous. And I felt peace. I felt peace. But in Portland, now look at what's happening in Portland today. People are, are dying, they're killing one another. Their method, look, if you feel like somebody's wronged you, what should you do? Well, you pray for them, you go to the Lord. If, they, if it's something serious they've stolen from you, it's okay to call the police. But now they're trying to defund the police and get rid of the police. And that, is that crazy or what? So, when when we're talking about the truth, first of all, you got to find out what is the truth. And then you've got to get it in your heart. And then you, listen to me, you've got to figure out a powerful way to deliver the truth. You know, when I first got saved, I was jamming Jesus down the throat of everybody. My my brother and sister, I've told you this before, he told me to get out of his house don't ever come back. And God was was dealing with me. John, your method is not doing my truth any good. Your your method is too violent, and you need to change your method. I said, well, Lord, what, what should I do? Love them. I, I remember uh, reading a story in, in a book. Uh, somebody had a big dinner, and... Uh, they were Christians, but there was a, an older lady, about 85 or so. She came to the dinner, but she was grumpy. So, you know, when you get older, you, you, everything hurts, and she was grumpy, and every time somebody would say something about Jesus, and, and you could tell she uh, didn't want to hear it. So the man sitting next to her, he didn't say anything to her, but when the meeting was over, he went to two or three people, and he said, Who is that? And He got her name. He said, Do you know where she lives? He got her address. The next day, in his pickup truck, he put his lawnmower, his edger, all the tools, put them in the back of his truck, and rolled right up to the front of her house. Now, the woman in the house heard commotion going on, so she goes to the blinds and opens and looks out there. What is he doing? He starts mowing her yard. He gets the edger out and makes everything perfect. He catches all the grass. He sweeps the grass and blows the grass off of her sidewalks, makes it beautiful. Finally, she can't take it anymore. She comes out there, and, uh, and she says, what do you think you're doing? He says, I'm loving you. What? I'm loving you. He didn't say anything about God. I'm loving you. I just felt like uh, when I saw you at the party yesterday, that I ought to just do something to prove that I love you and, and try to bless you. Really? Now I don't that was all the story I got. I don't know what happened. I, I'm, I'm hoping that she gave her life to the Lord. But do you understand? At least she opened her heart to the truth because his method probably needed changing just like mine. I uh I I found out about the gifts of the Spirit. I was prophesying. But you know what else I was doing? I was taking God's glory. I would say something to somebody and they'd start crying or they'd be slain in the spirit. I remember one time uh, in a little town uh, in West New Mexico and we had a meeting and a woman came, an older older woman, and I reached out to touch her and I'm not lying, she was lifted up and went Clear across the room and slammed against the wall and slumped to the floor. I thought, oh my God, I'll spend life in prison for killing her. I didn't I didn't touch her. She immediately got up and walked back down there and said, Young man, thank you. Thank you so much. God has revealed himself to me today. And I'm thinking, yeah, well, I'm one of God's special guys, aren't I? Right after that. I was about to go into a Bible study here in town, and God said, reminded me of that occasion. He said, "Uh, "John, who gets all the glory? Do you get it? Well, yeah, Lord, yeah. Well, you've been stealing it." He said, "You're not going to prophesy or do anything for me for one year." I didn't have time to waste a year. I mean. I'm saying, well, look at Charles and Francis Hunter. They're old people and they've been saved for two weeks. Next thing you know, they got an international ministry. God didn't change his mind. I, I, I would say something to God like, well, we'll see about that, won't we? Because I, I can prophesy if I want to. I'd be in a meeting and I'd say, yeah, this is the time. Things got quiet. This is the time to prophesy. And I couldn't speak, I couldn't say anything. They went on for a year. And finally, one year to the day later, back in that same Bible study, the Lord said, John, I think you've learned your lesson about who gets the glory. Now, is God a megalomaniac? Is he he an egomaniac? No. But he knows what's right, and he stands up for what's right and what's just. He is God, not you. And so from then on, I tell people, it's like the woman that fell down the flight of stairs in Israel. She died right outside my door in that hotel. The, the floors were made out of marble. It was after a, a concert for the Feast of Tabernacles, and she was coming down to my room, and she fell down a flight of steps and landed on her head. And I was the first one out there. I put my hand under her head, and I pulled it out, and there was blood and brain tissue, and oh, my God. And I looked at her, and she was dead. I mean, she had no pulse, no breath, nothing. Her eyes were open, fixed, and dilated. And I told the people, there was a crowd that formed by that time. I said, start praying. I slapped my hand on her head, and I said, I rebuke you, spirit of death, in Jesus' name. And she <gasps> went like that, and she came back to life. Now, the ambulance came. They took her to the hospital. She had to have brain surgery. Six or eight weeks later, they released her. And a few days after that, I got a letter from her in the mail. And she said, Dear John, I understand I have you to thank for my life. I immediately wrote her back and said, Pauline, that was her name, You don't owe me anything. It was God who saved your life. The truth is, it's not John, and it's not you. The truth is, it's God. He's the source. Now, he's a good enough God that he wants to use you in every miracle. He does. He wants to use you. But he gets all of the glory for the truth. Amen? Amen? There's a lot of falsehoods going on in the world today. Let me tell you, the father of lies is coming. He's on his way. He's the Antichrist. Right after that rapture, when God, Jesus will appear on the the clouds, and the dead in Christ, the Bible says, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we, we which remain and are alive shall meet them in the air. And so shall we ever be, with the Lord. Now that's called the Rapture. That's at the beginning. There's a lot of false things going around about that. You've got there's one truth obviously. I believe it happens before the Rapture. Then you got people say no. I mean before the Tribulation. You got people say no. We, we Christians are going to have to go through that too. And, and some of them say it's a mid mid uh, Tribulation Rapture. And some of them now we're going to go through the whole thing. Let me tell you why I believe that it's going to happen before the Tribulation starts. The tribulation is a judgment of God. If you look in your Bible for the truth, anytime God judged the earth or its people, he took his people out first. Look at Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot and his family were the only Christians. He took them out first. Uh, how about Noah and the ark? They were, his family were the only ones that believed in God. Everybody else was having a great time getting drunk and uh, sex with everybody. Hey, and God took Noah put him in a boat. Everybody else died. That was the judgment of God. And on and on it goes. There's no exception to that in the scripture. God takes his people out. He preserves them. And that's exactly what happened when Jesus died on the cross. He took you out. Are you, are you with me? Took you out. Yeah, this is Pauline, the lady that. Where'd you get that? Uh, you, you're something else. That's Pauline. This now. This is after. This is the next year, and uh, she she was terrified. See, she was a violinist, and she was terrified that she would never get to come back. And she, uh, beloved Israel, she loved Israel with all of her heart. And this Feast of Tabernacles celebration is a Jewish feast day, and it's one of the most popular and well-attended feast days. And uh, we had a, an orchestra with about 80 people in it. We had a choir with about 45 uh, in it. We had ballet dancers. And then uh, we, we would have crowds five to 6,000 people. And there's Pauline. She had been coming for years and she was terrified she was not going to be able to to uh, to play again. And there she is, wearing a special costume that the feast had made for her and the orchestra. And that's her. She's a sweet lady. Isn't God good? There's a battle for the truth in the church. We've got falsehoods in the church. We've got, and, and, and you know, you do have to be careful. You've got... For example, you've got traditional churches today. Uh, uh, they're more historical and tradition, traditional in, in, in the way that they look at the word, and, and and they have a problem with the the gifts of the spirit and speaking in tongues. But listen, let's talk about charismatics, which is what we are. Charismatics get out of order sometimes too. If if I'm if I take you to a place and and drag you into a situation spiritually that's not in the Bible, you don't want that. It's got to be. It's got to be something you can find in the Word that has a foundation built underneath it. I remember I had a real problem with people being, quote, slain in the Spirit until I found it in the Bible. Many instances in the Bible where people fell down. For example, when they came to arrest Jesus in the garden, the soldiers, as soon as they got into his presence, the Bible says they all fell on the ground. Just like they were dead. Then they shook it off and they stood back up, looked at each other like, "What? What happened?" So, that became popular in charismatic circles. I'll be honest with you; I think some of it got a little out of order. Then there was one that I really questioned, and I still do to this day. This laughing in the spirit started in a church in, uh, in uh, Canada with uh, what's the guy's name? Heavyset guy. Uh, i think of it in a minute. Anyway guy would, was preaching on the stage and suddenly somebody out in the audience started laughing loud next thing you know another two or three started laughing next thing you know everybody in the congregation's laughing this guy never stopped he kept right on preaching as if it was something that well I didn't find that in the scripture anywhere so you got even we charismatics have to be careful that what we're doing is something that's found in the word. On the other hand, just don't be like the other people that just say, well, to be safe, let's just reject it all. Listen, there is a truth, and God wants you to walk in it. Amen? We, Rodney Howard Brown, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. So... Let me encourage you this way. If you really want the truth, first of all, get your family in church. And get in a church that's preaching the word, teaching the word. There's two words there, preaching, teaching. Preaching is uh, more of a method of, and the, and the word preach, preacher, is only mentioned once in the Bible. But it's, uh, it's more a, a method where somebody speaks and gets you excited and I'm, I'm not saying it's wrong. I think there's a place for it, for sure. But if your church becomes only that and you don't take the other half of the word, which is teaching, then you're going to come out out of balance. And I think, if anything, in my life, I'm probably out of balance too far on the teaching side and we need more preaching. You, you understand? I'm just confessing that to you, so you pray for me. But uh, I, I've been in so many places where... Uh, guy got up to preach, people were screaming dancing around the room, nothing wrong with that uh, and I'd be outside and I'd say, somebody come out all excited and I'd say, well, what did he teach on? I don't know, but it was wonderful. Listen, when you when you go to hear the word, get the truth out of the word. Uh, verify it. If the preacher says something that you have a problem with, look it up in the Bible. If you find something that uh, you think makes it wrong, go to your Pastor, you come to me. I'm not going to throw you out unless you pull a gun on me or something. I love you. We've got to develop a love for the truth of God's word. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray a minute.
2: I worship you, almighty God, there is none like you. I worship you, O Prince of Peace, that is what I want to do, I give you praise, for you are My righteousness, I worship you, almighty God. There is none like you. There is none like you.
1: Our God is the one that fills you with joy. Every time you come into His presence, every time you approach Him in prayer, when you humble yourself and get on your knees and you seek after Him, your God will come. If you want to get God in your presence, you know how to do that? Praise Him. Worship Him. That's how you get God to come. When God hears one of His children praising and worshiping Him, He comes immediately. He loves you. And he wants to give you the desires of your heart. He's a good God.
2: There is none like you. There is none like you. Thank you, Lord.
1: Now, right now, while you're quiet, your eyes are closed. I want you to reach out to God. Just in your mind there. Speak to him. Say, Lord, I have this need. Or, Lord, I would like to ask you this question. Father, I'm hurting in this area. Would you speak to my heart? Right now, just reach out. Lord, if you're real. I'm asking you to touch me right now so that I can feel your presence. Just touch me, Lord. I will obey you. Lord, I want to know your truth, the truth that sets men free. And Lord, I need to hear
2: your voice. There is none like you. There is none like you.
1: When Pilate looked at Jesus and said, What is truth? I think he was a little ashamed of himself. Why do you think Pilate was constantly trying to save Jesus? He said, we have a criminal back here, Barabbas. Wouldn't you rather crucify him? No, we want Jesus. This are, these are the same people just the week before when Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. They were shouting, Hosanna! Hallelujah! They were tearing branches off of the date and palm trees, throwing them down so that the donkey that Jesus was riding never touched his foot on the earth, the soil, which was a symbol of sin, never touched it. They went down off of the Mount of Olives, crossed the Kidron Valley, up the other side, went right through the eastern gate, him riding a donkey, the people screaming, they were tearing their clothes off and throwing those down in front of the donkey. They went right up to the temple, And Jesus got off of that donkey. He handed the reins to the man who owned the donkey and said, Thank you. You've blessed me this day. All the men said, No, it's you who have blessed us. The same people one week later, Crucify him. Kill him. We have only one (coughs) ruler, and that's Caesar. (coughs) Father, forgive us. Father, as we go today, I'm asking you to reveal to us the the truth about Independence Day. I don't want any trumped up stuff that somebody thinks they knew. I, I just want the truth. The truth is thousands upon thousands of American men and women gave their lives over the centuries so that we could have freedom. Our country has been responsible for blessing more people on the earth than than all the other countries combined. There are people that think we're arrogant, and maybe we are sometimes. We need to repent from that. But Father, this is a great country. It was established in your name, one nation under God. You are the leader of this nation. Father, please come and help us. As we go today, I'm asking once again that you'll keep our families safe, our children safe, especially down at the beach, fireworks going off. And Father, we thank you and praise you for this beautiful day. In Jesus' name. And everybody sit. I'm going to dismiss you. May God richly bless you today. will want you to stay five minutes and hug somebody. Amen. You're dismissed.
0: This has been a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today. If you wish to partner with us and support this ministry, you can give online at newsongcarlsbad.churchcenter.com forward slash giving. Your gift is tax deductible. Please share this broadcast with your friends and neighbors and help us spread the good news of Jesus Christ all across the globe. May the Lord richly bless you.